Hello, Chris here from Old Dirty Brastards. If you're a big fan of this podcast, you can support it through the ACAST support feature. You can give as little or as much as you like, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the description to support now. Thank you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, and welcome to the Old Dirty Brasted podcast, episode number nine. Yes, yeah, number nine, isn't it? God, it's been a while. Um, I'm going to say hello first to Seb. Hi, Seb. How you doing? Hey, you all right? Yeah, it is number nine, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Well, we first did eight. Yeah, when did we do? When did we finish the last one? It's been a long time. Oh, that was ages ago. It um, was a long time. I want to say autumn, that kind of time. Autumn, September, should we say September? Something like that. We've been dormant well, we only, on the podcast. We only planned to have eight, didn't we? And then Yeah, and then we went and recorded more. stuff, um, which is why we're here. Why we're here. We've recorded some more things. We've recorded a lovely little Christmas EP and uh, a couple more singles to finish off 2020. So, um, yeah, should we catch up? Seb, so Seb obviously yeah. said hello, but a bit different, isn't it, for you, this, since the last podcast? Where where are you? Tell people where yeah, you are. Yeah, I'm looking around my surroundings. I'm in an office that belongs to my uh, parents-in-law. I'm in Rygate uh-huh. in Surrey. And, uh, yeah, I, well, basically I sold my flat. Time's and I've just tough. got a bit of time until we move to our new place which should be this Thursday. Can you give us the exact um, address of your new place? Uh, it's one <laughs> Catford. One Catford, that's it. He lives in Catford. It's a big <laughs> giveaway. Yeah, amazing. Great. Yeah, and in fact, yeah, yeah. so yeah. I've had five weeks over Christmas just uh, down here. And wasn't the last, the I must admit, the last one we did, wasn't it, we were trying to get them all sewn up before Stella arrived? Yeah. Gosh, I, it's been I, July. Well, we recorded them all before I had my baby. Oh, yeah, so, wow. Well. Uh, so yeah, that so yeah, that's been five months now. Oh my gosh! Yeah, how's she getting on? Yeah. She's all right. She's great. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. She's, um, we're trying to wait. We wanted to to sit up, and then we can start giving her some food. Yeah. Nice. That's the next. Yeah. Next big thing. She's starving. <laughs> yeah. Don't. I don't want to give her Coca Cola. Yeah, and fizzy Bombay mix. Uh, yeah, and shoelaces. That's what they like. Big fizzy time. ones. Yeah, fizzy ones, big time. Yeah, oh, yeah, if yeah. only Barney was here for the uh, pick and mix chat. <laughs> That's his specialist subject. Oh, oh my God, that'd be amazing. DJ pick and mix. Yeah, brilliant. But he's not here. Yeah. He's not. Some he, will guests, be, he will be. He will be. Here. I say guests, they're members of the band. Friends, some might say. Friends. Friends, members of colleagues. the band, colleagues, acquaintances. Uh, People we've got to know very well through the internet Indeed. over the last. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it's been so long. Uh, Richard Turner, hello. Hello, everybody. How are you? I'm good. Yeah. Still not living in my own house. Oh, it's another person not living in his own blooming house. Where are you living? <laughs> living with living with the in-laws as well. Uh, sister-in-law and brother-in-law. Yeah. It's been... Uh, well, we thought it would be five weeks... But it's been five months. <laughs> oh, wow. uh, and we're getting dangerously close to the second child arriving. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. How long is it? It's very interesting. Uh, so second week of February is the due date. Oh. Uh, and we think we'll move into the house in the third week of January, but things get, keep getting closer and closer. And, uh, yeah, stuff going... I suppose stuff going wrong, like pipes bursting and things but it's not all bad the house is starting to look good in you know some areas <laughs> the ones that are completely drenched <laughs> water's breaking all over the place all over the place yeah oh man they'll get there you'll get there you'll we'll get, get there, there. it's yeah, gonna be good it's all yours and uh, to be fair we're having a good time now we know we're in a house of four four adults and uh three three children and it's been a very interesting christmas yeah nice but no, so they're, they're all lovely people, though, aren't they? So you know, absolutely, could be a lot worse. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, Charlotte's pets are all lovely people as well. Seb, we, we should mention oh, yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, right, Dan West, <laughs> are you still living in your own house? I'm or still in my own to... house for now until the uh, they come and get it off me. That's bad. <laughs> take, take it off him. <laughs> no, it'll never happen. We won't let it happen. Yes, uh, there's the in-laws live up in Barnet, so I, I should maybe start planning for moving up there. I could just live in one of their closets or something. Oh my gosh, North London! Don't do it. I think I think we're all right for now. I think we're all right for now. But yeah, still still in my home, you know. And um, yeah, it's nice to see you guys. Thank God. And you today are on not only as a ranger of the track, but you're on as producer as well, aren't you? Yeah, it was my um, previous lockdown. I guess it was lockdown two. It was sort of like my uh, my raison d'être, as they say in Quebec. <laughs> 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 what does that even mean? Yeah. Um, no, yeah, it was a nice little project that um, I, I more or less, I don't know if I begged Chris, but I asked him, I kind of floated the idea of doing these two kind of Beatles-y Christmas tunes. And and uh, I am so thankful that you let me do that because it kept me kind of relatively sane, I think. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. That's always nice. So, no, you, I think you just asked and it was all, yeah, why not? Why the devil not? Why not? It's all good. Um, Kai... Hello. Hi. You're living in your own house? Yes, in my own house. Although my mother-in-law lives in a caravan uh, up in Crestwell on the beach, so if I did have to move in there, I'd be delighted. Nice. <laughs> Lovely. How big is the caravan? Oh, it's, it's almost like, if imagine it's bigger than a one-bed flat in London, mm-hmm. so it feels like you're in a house. Oh, yeah, in a bungalow at least. It's massive. It's lovely. Creswell, is that named after Aaron Creswell from uh, West Ham United? Yeah, the uh, 11 point fantasy football winning defender. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, um, no, it's near Holy Island and near Bambra. I'm going to carry on naming places until I see some sign of recognition in your face. Uh, Quebec. <laughs> it's quite near, it's that direction isn't it yeah. it's that direction but there is there is a washington and a toronto up there so maybe what? there could be a quebec knocking about wow yeah we were here like first caravan Daniel. parks are they like caravan parks named after uh north american places um yeah could could well be all, all the other way around 
could be uh, they were there first. Toronto. Toronto. Yeah, Toronto in northeast England. I'm going to Google it. If Toronto was named after that, places are named after places in Ireland and like Boston and York and everywhere in the English-speaking world everywhere. is named after everywhere else yeah. in the English-speaking world. And it's, it's not for something to be proud of. <laughs> no, it's lazy, yeah. lazy naming. But you know, it's laziness and slavery. <laughs> oh gosh, yes, oh. yes. Wait, wait. I don't mean slavery. Do you mean colonialism? Colonialism. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> it's not that it's, good, is it? It's not really. It's not really that good. It's like we're going It's basically means we're gonna take loads of other people's stuff, put it in our, our museum, call it the British Museum. I'm pretty sure yeah. that's what it is. And just when it's I was about to bad, s- it's basically bad. <laughs> I was going to say just as we we're about to segue on and say, hey folks, don't worry, we're in really good hands because Seb is now a podcast award winning producer and uh, host. Ooh. He goes and drops a slavery thing on us, and we're like, oh, man. Yeah, that's it. They'll, they'll be taking that award away any time now. Oh, don't take it, it away. It was fun while it lasted. It was fun while it lasted. No, but that is good news, isn't it? Yeah, Seb got an award. He won a podcast award. Was well it the done, classical, classic music. Bravissimo. Classical music. Bravi. Bravissimo. Yeah. Thank you. How did that come about? No, well, I mean, obviously, it's a great podcast. I can. I know I didn't why you want work, it, Chris. No, <laughs> uh, I don't, don't do it for the awards. Um, well, I don't know. I think um, I don't know if it's been on before this thing, but there's a guy called David Taylor who seems to be some like amazing. What do you call it? Like somebody who gives lots of money, right? Philanthropist. 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 He is on the Forbes 30 Under 30 list. Gosh. Does that mean you're you're really rich? Does that mean you're just a lead? You're a rich under 30. I think Forbes are keeping an eye on him to hand him a billion pounds. Right. When he comes Mm. to age. Well, it was basically a really nice end-of-year celebration of all the fun, creative stuff that people have done uh, since the lockdown. Mm. There's been so many projects uh, and musicians have adapted so amazingly. So it was was brilliant to to watch and see all uh, all the people. But... I think people could just be nominate could nominate anyone they wanted, and I heard someone had nominated us, so tuned in, and uh, we we won it. Brilliant! Which was really unexpected. You didn't cause... you didn't nominate yourself? I no, I didn't okay. actually. Okay. But I think you could if you wanted to. Yeah, mystery man called B. Philpot. We just still don't know who it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, great. He's my biggest biggest fan. That's really uh, good. Where are you going to put the award? Well, I don't know if I actually... I think it is a digital award, so... Oh, because... Yeah. I, I missed... Get, you have to get a screenshot of it, otherwise you miss it. Yeah, a lot oh, of right. Bitcoins. Ooh. Oh, that'd be nice. Mm. Yeah. What was I read the other day? If if you'd invested $100... In $100 worth of Bitcoin back at the start when it came out, you'd have like $29 million or something. Oh. Yeah. I saw earlier today about Bitcoin. It's big again. Yeah. Is it back and on? I, I just always miss the boat because you... I think just get get it now. I think that the worst time to get Bitcoin is now. But no, the best time is like a, a year ago. It's cheap. Yeah. Should have got it when I first heard about it, like five years ago. It was a BBC yeah. documentary when they were saying Bitcoin is worth a hundred hundred dollars a coin. Who would buy that? It's just a it's just a thing on a screen. I was like, Yeah, what a bunch of suckers. <laughs> Look at me now. I could have bought. I could have spent a hundred pounds and have like you know a billion now, exactly with a click of a mouse. 
It's a frustrating, isn't it? Ah, it's, it's just money on a screen, as Seabass would say. Exactly. Oh, wait, no, sorry, numbers on a screen. Just numbers oh. on a screen. It's just loads of money on a screen. Yeah. Does he always say that? <laughs> I think he has said it a few times, yeah. What, what were we talking about again? What were we talking right, about? Right, so we are talking about... Colonialism. Oh, no, gosh. Right. No. <laughs> this is why we don't have awards on this one. <laughs> um, so we were talking about, Mr. West, your Christmas singles that you produced. Because uh, yes. obviously they're a bit different to the other singles that we've produced, so they're all nice and Christmassy. Um and you arranged them. Shall we talk about the arrangements first? I suppose we could, yeah. I suppose we could. What was your... What was your cause obviously, you know, obviously, come December, we try and swap our, um, our repertoire over to as much Christmas cheese as we possibly can, all the nice Christmassy ones. And um, these two were in last year, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. We didn't, yeah, yeah. Not been, we've not been doing too long, have we? They're quite fresh for the band they are the most recently performed i think them i think last year we had a batch of well actually the uh the john lennon one was kind of originally your arrangement i think you brought it to brasted uh many moons ago but may have arranged it fairly swiftly in a bit of a hurry we got that little gig like the first year we set up this would be 2000 end of 2012 we got that gig at box park when box park in shoreditch had just only really just opened up and we got a little gig outdoors and um, I thought, oh God, we should probably do some Christmas ones. So I just, yeah, really quickly farted out um, that one. Happy, John Christmas. Lennon one. happy Christmas, war is over. War is over. Or yeah, happy Xmas. I mean, is that how you're supposed to pronounce it? How do you pronounce it? It's, it's happy, happy Christmas. Christmas they do they? say happy on Christmas. the record. Happy Christmas, Yoko. But it's, it's um, one of the best though, isn't it? It's one of the best tunes really. Like it's you know, a great, I love beautiful it. message to it. Yeah. It's a heartfelt, heartfelt song. Absolutely. But for one yeah. one reason or another, it didn't really end up getting played much uh, in subsequent kind of years of, of Christmas runs, Brass's Wise. Um, so I asked, I think I asked if I could get the uh, Sibelius file and have a little tinker around with it. And I, um, yeah, I sort of kind of revoiced a few things and um, spent a bit of time on it and then sort of paired it just by changing its key, I think I, I brought its key up a semitone from the original. And then there's the Paul McCartney Christmas tune, which I wasn't even aware of until last year, because I, to be honest, I thought it was a little bit naff with all its kind of sci-fi <laughs> synthesizers. It's, it's, it's quite, it's a really basic song, but with incredibly uh, new age kind of synth sounds, isn't it? So mm. I, I, for some reason I hadn't come across it until last year. And I, um, so I knocked it down a semitone, and then they kind of ran as like a nice little segued one, two, double, double Beatles A side kind of vibe. So yeah, I put that together for last year's run of Christmas tunes. Um, I think we had some other amazing ones last year, like the um, the waitresses tune. That's a banger, isn't it? Oh yeah, is that you said? Oh yeah, yeah. That's oh, a, yeah. It was last year. <laughs> yeah, but it's weird because we didn't do any Christmas gigs this year or last year. Mm-hmm. 2020 and 2019 we didn't do many did we? I, I didn't do many i think i was doing some of the work so i'm i kind of we had that big don't remember doing much i think i arranged stop the cavalry last year that was a new one. Oh, wicked yes but we only probably ended it twice and then yeah, i think we had more more album show gigs last year in december yeah like, lots of arctic monkeys I think. yeah lots of other stuff so like mm. it was really nice to sort of do a show 
towards the end. I think Bush Hall was the big the knees the up. Christmas knees up last year, oh, yeah, wasn't it? Right. Yeah. And did we the do an XOYO Christmas yeah. one? I think we did an XOYO. We did, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I talked them into doing an XOYO one. I said, oh, you know, why don't we, we've got all these Xmas ones. Why don't we just do a Christmas party one? Give us some work. Um, yeah, so we did that. That was good. Yeah, but they were a bit sparse on the ground last year. Oh, year before. Well, compared um, to previous years where we had like that residency at Brooklyn Bowl <laughs> where we played to like a, a grand total of 150 people over 60 nights or something. Yeah. When, what was that? Like from November 1st till the end of December, we played a Christmas <sighs> show every night. Someone messed up there, didn't they? Was... That, was, that was basically they'd um, said that they were going to have live music for all the office parties that booked there. And I think someone was like, oh, I've got live music. Okay, uh, let's just book these guys, um, you know, 20, 24 times. <laughs> yeah. They just said, how's your, they were just like, how's, your, how's your diary looking? Great, whatever you've got free, just fill it with these. <laughs> oh, sure. Okay, cool. Oh, um, those were the days. I think back then as well, we, we weren't. We weren't making loads of money out of that, actually. It wasn't, wasn't premium fees, but it's work. So, I mean... You know, nice place to sort of cut your teeth a little bit. and uh, But why, yeah, let's get a 10-piece brass band every single day rather than just pick a nice, <laughs> a nice easy-to-work-with four-piece or three-piece or something. Like, I, 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 no wonder, it, yeah, that's another one that's just, it's a it's obvious why that doesn't exist anymore. It's strange um, they don't, they went under. They, they Yeah, weird. Their right? business failed. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm flabbergasted by that. They gave us all their money. <laughs> Idiots. It was also in a terrible place because it got no footfall. You had to like walk all the way around just to get to like the entrance, didn't you? Yeah, most people must have gone. Oh my god, there's a bowling alley in here. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. I just, yeah. Well, that that year we kind of ploughed through all the Christmas tunes that we had every single night, and it was kind of like it. It was a little bit painful to be honest because they, they tend to be the arrangements that are the least polished. I think, for you mm-hmm. know, with exceptions, obviously, Seb's are always immaculate, but. You know, some of mine, you know, the I think I did Santa Claus is Coming to Town and, it, you know, I did it in about an hour and a half or something on an afternoon before a gig, just kind of desperate to get something in the Christmas set. And there was, there was plenty of those. And I think even, you know, Happy Christmas Wars over the original kind of Brasters arrangement it was, you know, it was, a, it was, it was a swiftly, swiftly arranged, um, it was a, an inspired choice for a tune, but it kind of fell by the wayside, wayside after we, I don't know, I don't know if it, it didn't quite fall apart, but it was... It's pretty heavily scored and knackering, I think, when, mm. when we did it. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in day. Back in day. Well, it's wonderful now. Yeah, you've you've really fixed it up. Oh, fixed it up nicely, mate. Thank well, you. Well, it's a team effort. It's a team effort. <laughs> yeah, and on your computer with your fingers doing most of the work. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's nice to have some more Christmas ones out because obviously we had the Christmas EP we did back in 2018 where we got to do a nice little funny video to go with it for uh, Stay Another Day, which was cool. Um, so, yeah, it's just nice to add to that, isn't it? Get, get a couple more tracks. And the artwork is lovely for this one as oh, well. Oh, yeah, Tom's nailed yeah. that. Shout out to Tom Fern. Yeah. So, what's Tom's name? Tom Fern. Tom, Tom Fern? Yes. Not Tom Fern. Tom, Tom Fern. Yeah. Has he got a website? We can put a link to his work in the uh, description. Uh, who does he work for? He works for uh, Village Green. The Village isn't it? Green or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But I think what's that? A, a, it's like a graphic design studio. studio. Yeah, it's quite a small, oh. small company. Clothing brand run by Liam Gallagher. Oh right. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, Tom's is Village Green Studios. That's it. That's, that's it. That's yeah, it. yeah, yeah. So yeah, for clothing needs, go to 
Liam Gallagher's one, and then they also have small. <laughs> they ha- they also have small clients like Nike. Those guys successful. Yeah. So if you want R- Ronnie Corbett. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, big time. <laughs> but he's yeah. he's a legend, though, isn't he, Tom? He's great. He's so lovely. I think we drive yeah. him crazy a little bit. I don't know if it's possible to drive him crazy. He's quite laid back. Yeah, I think he's got this kind of mantra of like the uh, client is always right, uh, and just gives you thousands of options. And you go back and say, oh, "Can we can we have that slightly different?" And he's like, "Yeah, sure." Yeah, we're probably better than some clients he's got. I would imagine. Hopefully. Yeah, fingers fingers crossed. But anyway, yeah, he keeps well, he keeps doing all our artwork for us, so that's good. Um, but yeah, check it out, people, listeners, go and see the artwork. It's very lovely. Nice mock up of Paul McCartney and John Lennon in their little um, Beatles costumes. The Sergeant Pepper's ones, looking as if they're like nutcrackers uh, in the snow. So it's good. Go in, check in front it out. of the uh, the Canadian mountains. That's it. I, I was like, we have to, we have, to have the mountains because come on, where is Danny from? The Rockies. Canada. He's not, is he? Yeah, he is. No? Do you live near the Rockies back home? Yeah, yeah the Rocky Mountains, yeah. Lovely. Yeah. What's, yeah. what's your nearest mountains? Uh, you might find Mount Robson out there. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot of big mountains and they are they are beautiful, actually. Yeah. Dan, when I was a kid, um, I heard that song all the time because it was on uh, Now That's What I Call Christmas. With the Macca one. Yeah, and it was on like every school Christmas dinner, oh, right? Blaring around the the, uh, the gym or whatever your, your main hall. Um, what did you listen to in Canada? Was there like a, a bunch of pop Christmas songs that you used to hear all the time? You know what? what that that whole pop Christmas culture thing seems to be like uniquely British. I think it seems like the oh. really sort of spearheading the pop, like the UK, you know, the Christmas number one thing. Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe I lived under a rock, which or under a mountain or something but i didn't really um <laughs> i didn't really notice it so much like obviously the john lennon one was was massive because it was such it had such a kind of um i don't know warm-hearted message kind of thing and uh it was slightly political so everyone you know knew about the john lennon one or but i mean it wasn't so much like all like wizard and stuff never i never heard that i never heard any of these pop ones until i moved over here to be honest so they seem very British, though, like the Slades one, Wizard, Shaking Stevens. Exactly, they're really British, and I, I don't think they... I, I bet it kind of jumped over the Atlantic a bit, but not so much. You, in the States, you're more likely to get sort of like a, you, you know, more likely to see a Celine Dion Christmas album or fucking like Rod Stewart or something. Or um, Well, the, the Phil Spector one was probably one of the first big ones, wasn't it? What did he do? What was that? But he, wait, wait, where's he from, Phil Spector? I think he's American. I think he must be American. Yeah, I don't know. I had that pulled up here. I mean, it sounds very American. The the whole wall of sound. Yeah. Stuff. And the revolver in people's faces and things like that. <laughs> the, the whole gun culture thing. Oh, you guys. <laughs> Let's just see where he's from. Christmas album. I didn't realise he'd done a Christmas album. So who was on that? Santa Claus is coming to town. Uh, what? With the, with the Jackson 5? No. No, like the... The Ridge. The Ronettes or whatever. The, oh, right. Mate, he's, he's from the Bronx. He's from the Bronx I mean, yeah, his his stuff is all that all of sound mm. stuff. That's all um, all every beat's like doom 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 doom, mm. and there's like a Barry sax going bah, bah, yeah, and then loads of people going like that. Yeah, it's just like that's, that's my. Uh, I pretty much I uh, I subscribe to that sort of philosophy. 
producing wise like I'm, I'm trying to get away from that but i think everything i've ever produced started off with the kitchen sink thrown at it you know <laughs> you know if you have a bass line or like some sort of growling thing why not have a bass trombone and a bassoon and a bass guitar and a synth as well and maybe some shouting like just everything you could possibly could have but um I'm, I'm trying to go away i think it's a bit more sophisticated to kind of pare things down a bit but yeah phil specter i mean did he did he produce what did he produce the beatles which one did he do wasn't it the last the last release the what, uh, abby wrote let it be. Let it be. Let it be was the last release, wasn't it? But Abbey Road was the last. So what did George Martin? I think he put loads of strings. It was loads of stuff on it, and then they. Well, he produced the they, uh, the John Lennon tune, didn't he? He produced. Oh right, right. okay. Oh, wow. He did produce Happy Christmas War Is Over. Yeah. Mm. So what did George Martin? Was he a producer as well then? Yeah. 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 Did he did he not do he, the last one? Or? He did Abbey Road, but. Let It Be was different. It was recorded before Abbey Road, but Yeah, they did it in a weird was, order, didn't they? Released it after. Was, mm. I don't know. I mean, there'll be beats of aficionados going, idiot. No, he did. <laughs> You're getting it You're wrong. You're absolutely right, though. You're Stop correct. getting beats but wrong. They, but I don't know. You always think of Abbey Road as being the end of it, really. I mean, that's the name of the last track on it. And, mm. and the iconic um, gig on top of... Was, was let, mm. Yeah, the, the gig. But then yeah. Let It Be... Well, Let It Be was before... But it came out after. I think you're right. You're absolutely. Right. Right. It was 100% like it correct. sort of belongs to a different era. That that whole stuff, that whole album. Yeah, um, I don't know. Well, I can't wait to watch that. Um, is it Get Back? That looks Peter amazing. Jackson, that looks yeah. amazing. Looks yeah, so good. that looks so good. And would that yeah. be the Abbey Road recordings? That that looks like it is the Abbey Road recording. No, I think it's Let It Be because oh, it's like Get Back. Yeah, it's Lennon without the beard. Like he's just got the long hair, no beard. I think it was like a lot of it's backstage from some TV documentary. They filmed them playing in like this room because it's not Abbey Road, the studios. It's somewhere else. Mm. Um, it just makes them look like from what I've watched so far, their little five minute trailer that makes them look like so. I mean, I know like they finished not long afterwards, but it makes them look like they're still such good mates and they just like to play music and play in a band and have a good time. Yeah. That's you know, and it's just you can't think well. You know, about two years later, they'd all split up and were doing different things. But even when they split up, like you read all the books, they were still hanging out together. I just think they just had enough of like being the Beatles, I guess. It's amazing that when they were, we knew they were so fed up of each other, but the banter is still there. Like they're still, they're still making light of everything and joking and like taking the piss, but they probably absolutely hate each other's guts. <laughs> For the cameras. That's maybe very, that's very British. Was, that's a very maybe British. Everything. Yeah. Maybe it's everything that just was surrounding them rather than. Like within them, do you know what I mean? Like Beatlemania is pretty, pretty tough to take. I would have thought. Mm. Uh, it must have been strange time because they they didn't do any live gigs at all, apart from the odd like special on on top of a roof or something. They didn't really have any outlet except for recording the albums. So they spent all the time in the studio experimenting and pushing these boundaries. But they didn't get. They didn't want it they, because they, the technology wasn't around for them to perform live. They couldn't. I didn't have speakers that were loud enough so to overcome the the screaming so they couldn't play any of that later stuff live really they never never did it except there was like there's this rooftop rooftop concert yeah. and yeah imagine they've never done but, sergeant pepper live that's nuts isn't it yeah. like that's bonkers any of those songs i mean they you know there's such good songs i love that that era of the beatles yeah, I mean, obviously, Paul yeah. McCartney's gone on to flog them all to death now, but you know. Oh yeah, <laughs> bought a uh, Beatles a Beatles live vinyl uh, a couple of years back and listened to it once and chucked it because 
you want to think you can hear on it is screaming. You can just oh, wow. about hear people singing a little bit in the back, but yeah, it's straight in the bin. It's awful. Oh my god! Wow. Oh, how much was it? How much did you get that for? Oh, you know, one of those shops where you like. If you go in the vinyl shop, the Beatles stuff is always double the price of anything else mm. you want in there. They've got their own sort of Beatles section, and it's like twenty quid instead of five or six that you can find other stuff. I think yeah. so. This this was the cheapest one of the Beatles ones because I just wanted something from the Beatles to listen to. Put it on, and then it was disgusting. <laughs> disgusting yeah. do you know that all that footage and you know they're in stadiums and things and you can just hear loads of screaming you can just about hear them singing and even though they probably couldn't hear themselves on stage it's still in tune yeah yeah they're nuts they were so good weren't they so good yeah. does that uh, Ron Howard documentary did any of you see that yes which one was that I, I never saw it it's sort of from their time in in Hamburg oh, uh, I've seen bits of it actually I've seen bits of it I haven't seen it all the way through is it Hamburg they went to? Yeah, they were Ham- yeah, yeah, Hamburg, yeah. and they were just all doing. They were doing covers, like soul soul covers, kind of cutting the teeth, doing their. Before they started writing originals. Yeah, right. Um, I think they maybe might it have... goes on a bit further than that. Then. Yeah, maybe. I'm not sure, but but it. Um, well, apparently, like if you listen with really good speakers and headphones, it's, it really feels like you're there. Oh wow. Mm. So maybe, yeah. maybe I haven't seen that. Then. I don't think I have. I've seen the film. Was it? Called? There's a film, isn't there? A film they made about the fifth Beatle, old Stuart. Stuart is it? Stuart Sutcliffe. George um, Martin is the fifth. Isn't he a murderer? <laughs> what? <laughs> Pete Best. They, 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 they had a bassist, didn't they? Rose West. When they went out to Hamburg, <laughs> they had um, they had a bassist that went with them. There's a oh, guy who's right. playing bass for him. He wasn't oh. he wasn't that all that good, but he was an artist. And he he sort of when they came back to England after their stint, he stayed, and then he died of a brain tumor not long after they left. Um, yeah, it's a really good story. But it's like the the guys they were hanging out with over there gave them all like their Beatles haircuts and stuff. And he was like the first one. So so the film says that he was the first one to get the haircut, and they were all still rockers. And then they sort of copied him and whatnot. But I don't know if that's I don't know how true it is. But you know, good drama. Always, that's like in the nineties that movie came out, isn't it? That's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was good. It was good. Um, I would recommend it. It's nice. It's amazing mm-hmm. to think at that time in history, like that kind of mania, like multi, you know, multimedia, uh, having the, like millions of fans, like like the, the concept of millions of fans, that I guess an Elvis before that, you know, that it's kind of something that the world saw for the first time, I think, isn't it? Just uh, people could see these, their idols on a, on a big screen or listen to their voices. And then when they came to town, God, they must've gone absolutely mental. Well, yeah, it must've been insane. Cause yeah, obviously like you can sort of look back and think to yourself, well, obviously we heard the Beatles for the first time, but we were kids and we were hearing a lot of things for the first time, old and new, but for the pa- you know, our parents who were there and in their sort of teens or something like that and had experienced other stuff that maybe wasn't what they really were into or just that's what was around and then a band like the Beatles arrives and then you're just like oh wow this is insane like I don't know must be such an interesting must have been so cool to grow up in that period and just listen to all of those bands coming through just doing all of that cool stuff your favourite Beatles song that's a name one Mm. while my guitar gently weeps pretty good one nice that's a George one isn't it Yeah, yeah yeah Yeah, nice. Oh, of and Blackbird, before anyone else oh, says it. Oh, nice. Yeah. Is that on Revolver? 
Uh, it's White, white Album. White Album, sorry. They're both White Album. Yeah. I like the uh, the second half of uh, Abbey Road, all the uh, yeah, nice. all the medley, all that. Uh, some people think that's a bit silly, but all of it is really great. Mm. And you got oh, so, Something as well. That's on that. Yeah. That record. Oh, There's too many. Love that. Great, great record. It's too many to pick one. I really like too I Want many. You off of Abbey Road. That's good. Mm. Um, just for the bass gets yeah. a bit nuts at the, at the end of that. That's really good. That's the end of the first side, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Helter Scout was obviously good. And Tomorrow Never Knows. Um, but yeah, um, too many. Talking but, of, did you find when you were a kid, uh, when you'd play Beatles songs in like a youth orchestra, a like wind band, <laughs> it was always like um, I Want to Hold Your Hand or Hard Day's Night. It was always like the early Beatles stuff. Ticket to Ride. Ticket to Ride, yeah. oh yeah. Ticket to Ride, exactly. brass band where you have to play down... Oh, I've got it here. You can do that. You have to blow the, <laughs> blow the air. Just blow the air. And it's Hooter. He's going to win up his valve. That's it. <laughs> and we're off. That's it. That was it. It's literally a train ride. That yeah. was me going, going mad down my tenner hall in the old, <laughs> older music centre. <laughs> oh, yeah. But that was always the songs we'd play. It was always those ones. Mm. So... And then I sort of um, really got to know those later albums, and the, I mean, there's just the, the creativity there is incredible. Like the, where they went is just oh, it's insane, yeah, so different. Um, I think I heard the wind band version, or I played the wind band version of "Let It Be" before I heard the actual Beatles one. So when I when I sort of saw it, I was like, oh, this is a Beatles track. Let him come in. All right, okay, and listen to that. And I was like, oh, there's there's his well better. <laughs> Much better than the windbound version. Crazy. Yeah. I saw on Twitter the other day on um, Hey Jude, uh, three minutes in, you can hear Paul McCartney. He misses a note and he goes, oh! And then he goes, oh, fucking hell! <laughs> Does he? Yeah. yeah. Wrong oh, fucking chord or something like that. <laughs> yeah. On the single? It's on the single. Oh, my yeah. God. Wow. Check it out three minutes in. Three minutes in. Okay, I'll check that out. Rich, what was your favourite Beatles tune? Uh, uh, I do like Taxman, um, mainly because it's first track, my favourite album, Revolver. Mm. Um, and you're thinking about it because it's January. <laughs> I was going to say, I went through a phase of playing it on the 31st of January every year because uh, I thought that was a good mm. thing to do. Um, yeah, we must have seen the same Twitter thing, Seb, because then I went into a hole and followed all the comments on it and there were people arguing as to it, whether it was Lennon or McCartney who said it. And then, oh, really? yeah. And then next thing you know, it's 4 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good thread, that, wasn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. It was um, Bands FC. That's it, yeah. yeah oh, I followed, that. yeah. 4 a.m. Yeah, like burning down a 5G mast somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that, isn't that where Twitter takes you? Yeah, eventually. <laughs> yeah, eventually. Eventually, you're burning down a 5G mast. That's it. I was looking at something last night that ended up being like some German theory that the 5G is causing the new uh, strain of coronavirus, but it turns out the picture they were using as evidence was the inner circuitry of a guitar pedal. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, we need to all stop following the same people. No, this was the, same yeah, opinions. The, the, same the nanotechnology <laughs> that they were inserting into people's blood through the uh, through the vaccine, but it, it was just like the circuit board of a of a, of a Wawa pedal. A Wawa yeah. Pedal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my days! Oh gosh, when's it going to end? 
Uh, hey, I'm very lucky that my my dear old dad let me take all of his Beatles vinyl collection for my own. I was just like, Dad, do you ever play these? He's like, no, not really. I was like, can I just keep hold of them for you until... <laughs> oh, would have been, oh, yeah, got them all on CD. Got them on CD. <laughs> yeah, 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 take this. Take <laughs> I got them on cassette. I got them on cassette. Yeah. You can have, have them. Have them, have them. Yes, I've got them all. Got all the albums on LP. Oh, You've got a full oh, set. Uh, I don't have... So I've got the little... Yeah, I've got, yeah, all the albums and they've all got little stickers with little Barry Smith written on them, which is quite nice. <laughs> and then I've got the I Am The Walrus. No, what's it called? Magical Mystery Tour EP. Got that. Um, I don't have the, I don't know if they did a Yellow Submarine EP or if that's just something that came later. I'm not sure. But yeah, got them all. All still play nice, which is good. So that's cool. So I can go and give them to a vinyl record shop and they'll all charge more from. That's I was it. just looking at that, you know, our local record store in uh, Catford, you know, the cigarette records. It used to be mm. in uh, Beckenham Place Park in the mansion yeah. there. And now it's just by the cat in Catford. Mm. But I was looking online, they've got a little sale on. And I was thinking, oh, yeah, maybe I'll get get a couple of cheap cheap vinyls or whatever. Yeah, and whacked, whacked the talking heads thing in my in my basket. And then started looking at the Beatles stuff. Yeah, it was like 500 quid. And, and, and it says on it, yeah, it doesn't doesn't quite play right it's like oh fucking hell, why would i bother <laughs> what's the point but there was some anthology there was like a beatles um it was like the beatles just a box and it had it must have been like a 12 vinyl box set and mm. I, it was only for like 75 quid or something but i wonder what that would have it looked like it wasn't the actual albums it was just sort of like a chronological um is it the anthology it wasn't the beatles anthology it's just called i'll i'll dig it up or something but it was mm. the beatles box it was just called like the box it, it looks like a really old really old uh issued kind of thing oh right mm. but i would I, yeah i was very tempted yeah to spend some Collectors. of my universal credit on that <laughs> oh boy i had a look around i used to spend a lot of time up in liverpool and so i had a look around the vinyl shops there to see if there'd be any cheaper which was a stupid way of thinking because <laughs> obviously in hindsight because so many tourists will go there and want to buy a Beatles vinyl from Liverpool they were like 30 40 quid for a sort of a, a proper set there it's well, ridiculous that's, I mean, that's, not, that's not too bad that's not too bad oh, is it not? the thing is like what I'm starting to realize is like you know having a record player and stuff is, is a good opportunity to like just buy all my CD collection again but on record but Trying to buy like '90s albums on vinyl is really difficult because that's when everything was pretty much just so heavily being put onto CD. Also pointless that, because none of them mm. were made for vinyl, so you're getting something that was made for digital, made for a digital world, and then that's mm. like transferred to vinyl, which is, in a way, I don't know, to me, not not that great. But I still do it. Obviously, I keep buying yeah, yeah, yeah. '90s records, but mm. yeah. So that things I was, I was trying to buy some Smashing Pumpkins records for Holly. And, like, some of them are, like, like 700 quid. What? Yeah, just like, what? This is the Smashing Pumpkins. Like, trying to get, I think it's Siamese Dream on on there. But it was was a mega big, like, with all the bits that came with it. And there were loads of vinyl that went with it. So it was obviously a special edition. But then, yeah, like, just so out of stock and everything like that. It's crazy. Just, yeah, so 90s vinyl, very difficult to pin down. Use mine a bit more. It's currently only been used to uh, hot. Uh, can you see it? It's got a bunch of scented pine cones resting on the top of the <laughs> vinyl plane at the moment to get that cinnamon pine. sort of Christmassy smell in, in the in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. 
a nice visual gag for the. Uh, for yeah, the, everyone will get it. Uh, everyone will have a They'll lovely image. Pine cones. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> Look after your vinyl, folks. Don't put pine cones on them. Mm. Um, we've got very wide of the mark here, haven't we? Um, What's we the mark? Back? What's the mark? Well, well so, Daniel, so we talk about this because obviously this is the first one you've produced for us in the sense it's the first one you've done it in a way that we came to you and we all played and recorded and sort of in the format that we do it all before. But start of lockdown, we did with you another small project, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. With we, the Nomad, with Nomads. Yeah, Nomads, yeah. It's like a, an old song that I wrote um, with my kind of buddies from back in Canada. But, uh, yeah, like I, um, I kind of write some music under the moniker uh, The Pollution, which is kind of me but also a couple of my mates back at home and uh yeah it's like a about a 10 yeah, 12 year old song which i thought might work kind of well for um for the brastard so I, I kind of arranged it hacked it together a while ago and then yeah at the beginning of the lockdown i got all my kind of home recording stuff set up after a, a few years of not really getting a chance to do any recording and yeah, sent the dots out to everybody and had had everybody record on their own gear at home. And for a lot of the guys, that was it was kind of like a learning experience, you know, to kind of work out how to, you know, set a mic input and hit record and 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 off you go. So in a way like that, that was a very different project to this one, which I was able to actually, I feel like, you know, properly approach it um, in the same way that previous guys who've recorded us recently have. But um, well, with Nomads, yeah, it was sort of a, uh, making the best of a bad situation which everybody on different microphones in different rooms playing different rhythms and note lengths and uh trying to kind of hack it together using all the technology at my disposal and then whack it out on my band camp for free kind of thing but um with this it was it was such a nice uh experience having you know everybody in a socially distanced way in my uh in my sort of new studio like so another development for me is i i turned my my I convinced my kids to move into uh, bunk beds together, which which they love. They wanted the bunk beds, man. They wanted the bunk beds, which they love. And then um, I redecorated my daughter's bedroom from this like un ungodly shade of pink to um, a kind of off grayish blue, and put some um, acoustic panels up and had it carpeted. And yeah, it's sort of like my little office workspace studio and um, used, so yeah, I used kind of like my, my best microphone on everybody and, uh, oh, and it was really fun going down. We went to James Knoll's drum studio to get the drum sounds and yeah, I was, I, I remember I was completely flabbergasted by how great the noises were, that were coming out, um, that were being recorded onto that hard drive at, at James's place, like the, like the Tom Tom sound, I remember at one point I was just I was very excited about a couple of Rick's drum fills, and uh, it provided me hours of entertainment. You know, getting it all kind of polished up and 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 yeah, kind of learning how to you know sort of properly approach producing a full drum kit. It was, it was yeah, it was great. It was no, November was a great month for me because I got to kind of focus on this project and um and I got to see everybody for an hour or two when they came in and, and laid down all the tracks which was yeah re- really nice for me for my mental state at the time obviously didn't see Dickie unfortunately but you know sorry from a okay. distance um it's quite an interesting thing though isn't it uh, Kai was talking to me about how you record and uh yeah produce for a 
for a drum kit because something I'd never really thought about is because there's so many different parts to a drum kit, so many different microphones, you have to kind of sort out all of the bleeding, don't you? That's That might be an interesting process to chat a bit about for budding producers listening. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think right at the start, so Kai and I recorded Rick on the same day, as did Barney for the the two um, subsequent tracks we'll, you guys will be chatting about in, in podcasts upcoming. But we all we did the recording all in one day down at James Knoll's um, studio in Biggin Hill, which is just like the ultimate drum setup. And um, so we all kind of had the same microphone setup to deal with. And um, yeah, we, we all take away this like kind of really well produced drum stuff. In, like it's already set up really well from James, and it was just sort of up to us to to you know mold it into how we want it for our track and it can be i mean i have always found the drum like i i recorded a little ep of like my own songs about 10 12 years ago back at home and i had uh, a mate of mine help me produce it but he was you know he, he had kind of convinced me that he really knew what he was talking about producing but um he didn't really so much, but I got to kind of learn through his mistakes on how to, what, what to do and what not to do with drums, like what, what to avoid putting a bunch of compression on and what to, um, you know, what you could really have out of with, with different effects and things. And um, it was, it, this was like a great project to just try some different ideas out and, and ideas that, you know, advice I got from Barney and yeah, Kai and I, we were able to sort of, you know, troubleshoot each other. Like if we, Oh God, what, what, what's going on with this? I'm getting loads of bleed through this microphone and we get a little WhatsApp going and, and discuss how to, uh, how to solve those problems. Nice. Cause obviously Kai, cause you've, um, was this, is, is this your first chance at properly just trying like, obviously Dan's done his band stuff back at, you know, from that he's done before, but for you, was this like, properly just like right i've you know we've you've i've done what you you've done what we've all done at the beginning of lockdown well some of us and gone oh gonna need a microphone that's what everyone's doing like we've got to do something so we've all gone and bought a mic you know and the old scarlet focus right company are really licking their lips because we've probably tripled their profits for uh for a year and um you know have you literally is this the first thing that you've ever produced or have you done stuff before oh this is or... it, yeah so i so i'm uh rec- it happened when you were uh, getting the lads together to record the drum tracks at James Niles, as you mentioned. And so I've, I've got a little setup here now where I can have people around to record. And I was really keen to learn a bit more about it. So thought the best thing that I could do is learn, as Dan said with his mate years ago, did just learn by making those mistakes. And so the best way was to just see if I can get Rick recorded, get everyone over and just throw myself into it. Yes. So I had, I've never done anything, any producing in the past or any work on logic really. So I'm coming at it completely fresh and in a similar way to Dan, it's just filled the days. I absolutely loved it. And um, yeah, from my point of view, because there was no prior experience, whether this first track gets to a stage where we can release it or not is neither here or there really. Cause you wouldn't take the first cake you ever make to the Great British Bake Off, would you? You, you just, you know, you, you, <laughs> you make your mistakes and then learn from it and then go again. So, so that's where I'm at with it, but I'm absolutely loving it. And um, yeah, it's sort of everyone came around, everyone's done their bit, and uh, I'm uh, at the stage where I'm messing around with things at the moment, seeing what works. Danier's on WhatsApp 
helping me out with a bunch of stuff with questions that I've got as well. So, um, yeah, it should mean that there's, uh, at the end of it, the goal is that I'll be set up, ready to go to do anything we need to in the future. Great. Yeah. It's just good to keep it all in house, isn't it? As much as you sort of, as much as you can, because like, you know, it's, it's certain things like you get someone in from the outside, which is obviously, you know, would be you know it's cool and everything like that but if you can do it in-house and people know people's strengths and weaknesses and like you know how to talk to each other like you know we know that if you know if you talk to someone like this when you're trying to get something out it might not be that works for that person but then this is what you need for that person if we all know each other that's great and I think you know the way we're doing it now where we can sort of turn up all the instruments, turn them off and whatnot, and we're not wasting anyone else's time by like going, oh, I'm really sorry, guys, we have to go again because, you know, I've split a note, so we're all, all you know, eight brass players have got to really do another take and might be different the next time, whereas we're doing it, you know, the way we do it, I'm sure we've talked about it in other podcasts, it just, it just makes it that much easier to sort of not waste anyone's time but then get something else, something out that is really like buzzing and banging and just like you know how we want it which is amazing um and just yeah recording is just a bit of a crazy it's just a crazy thing without a record company behind you backing you and saying right you can go into a studio for however long you need to do it it's just so hard to do it any other way like I don't know like so to do it the way we do it is such a nice way to sort of get the results that we want and actually get stuff out there yeah um, I, for me having I don't know if the same for Dania but for me having people was over was uh the best thing at that time because I hadn't seen hardly anyone for so long you know because of the way this year's been going ahead and then meeting up one by one to do this was uh was classed as work because it is what we do. So it was completely okay. You know, everyone was socially distancing, wearing masks and things like that, other than when they had yeah. to play. So um, people were done recording within, you know, less than an hour, but we were all there for over two hours just catching up and chatting mm-hmm. and, yeah, seeing yeah, what was didn't what. Unlock and... the door. Didn't unlock the door until two hours ago. Yeah, that's it. That's it. There's a timer. <laughs> Can I go now? <laughs> no, it was it was so nice to catch up with everyone. It's lovely. Absolutely, so, yeah. yeah. So if thinking back to when we did the last... So I guess when we did the last podcast, sort of, I think lockdown was probably easing slightly. Like We were all told we could go outside and things could happen. And then I think gigs must have been starting to happen outdoors. So we did... I think we did like one thing down at like we basically did a warm-up gig outdoors down in Beckenham Park to warm up for an Amazon gig that we were going to film and then after that oh, did we do anything we did uh Chiswick House Festival yeah that was nice that was nice, nice how many times have you seen Rylan on tv and said oh he's yeah. a nice guy since that since oh, that Amazon yeah. gig he was great yeah. wasn't he he's on that car advert isn't he so good yeah yeah what a nice I watched guy. a bit of supermarket suit the other day I was like oh it's so funny <laughs> yeah so so witty off the cuff. Um, I watched James A. Caster's special. Did anyone see that? Um, oh, was that through uh, the Dice? Dice they were doing it. Yeah. It was like it was on only on one night at a certain time, and that was it. Mm. Not, they're not showing it again. Oh. Um, but there's a a bit in it. There's a routine where because he was on uh, Great British Bake Off. Yes, that's right. Yeah, um, but he didn't have a great time on it, and he talks about um, constantly comparing himself to Rylan, who's excellent at that kind of thing. Mm. You know, so in control, funny. And ever since I met Rylan at, at this corporate event, I'm always thinking back to Rylan and thinking, 
he'd just be so good in this situation, talking to a camera, talking to a microphone, sort of helping people, leading the room. Oh, guys, let's swing the camera around there. I'm going to walk in. Um, (laughs) He was just so good. I I cannot speak highly enough of Ryland. Ryland's the best. Isn't that crazy as well? He's been doing it for years, hasn't he? He's been, when did, when was he on that? Was he on X Factor or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He kind of comes from a place that we all probably sort of turn our noses up and despise, but, He's a, he's come through it. He's probably well, not many people come through it unscathed and do go on to do well. I guess do they all sort of carry on keeping working and keeping their profile yeah, up? But yeah. he's managed it, and yeah, and you know, for you know to be surrounded by ten brass players, you know, and really sort of hold your own and have us all giggling out, giggling in the palm of his hand. It's <laughs> like, oh, well done, that's amazing. <laughs> like, you know, we're just here to film something and then leave. So. Yeah, he was—he's such a nice guy, isn't he? Bless him. So, is that your your yeah. your philosophy now? What would Ryland do? Yeah, yeah. WWRD. I've got a bracelet. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah, but um, yeah. So we did that, and then yeah, we did the Chiswick House thing, and then so we were sort of on like one and a half gigs a month with the band up until that point, and then start of September we went up to do Loughborough Uni Freshers Week. Straight Which out of was, Black Mirror, wasn't it? Straight out of Black Mirror. Oh, man, it was, yeah. Those poor guys. I felt so sorry for them. Like, Post-apocalyptic freshers week. Yeah, like just sort of, you could see that they, you know, they all wanted to have a, re- they were all trying their best to have a really good time, which I think they were in, in you know, given the circumstances, mm-hmm. but they were surrounded by people that also wanted them to have a good time, but had to tell them to kind of calm down and not have such a great they time. They sing. They weren't allowed to sing. They couldn't stand oh, that. Nice. Sit down. Yeah. Yeah, Stop singing. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was just so weird. And the police turned up like halfway through because it was so noisy. And they were just assuming that because it was so noisy, everyone was just giving each other COVID. Um, yeah. I mean, you yeah, know, it was, it was nice to play and we got a really good, you know, really good reception, especially from, you know, every time you'd, each year, as years go on, when we go and do student things, we're always just still like, what do they like? I have no idea. <laughs> what, what are they into? But yeah, it was it was actually a really good gig. Um, but then after that, we then sort of tried to do a gig in November, but then the tier system changed and we went into lockdown and that got moved back to December and then we tried to do that gig in December and then the tier system changed and then we're just waiting to find out what date we're going to do that gig at some point in 2021. So, you know, what we honestly haven't really been able to get together to do a gig since September, which for us is just a bit crazy. And, you know, doing the recordings was just a lovely touch of brastardness to fill the void. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the brastard story in that pitch. I was moved by everybody's performances because I think everybody felt the same way, like a bit gutted that we weren't able to play and and everything was moving in the opposite direction that it should have been. You know, it was a, all, it was tightening up and numbers were going up. and um, But here we were kind of playing some heartfelt kind of melodies and things and, and everybody's performance on... Uh, that they recorded into my microphone was just like beautiful. Like I, I'm, I think the highlight for me is actually Kai's uh, performance in the John Lennon tune. Just like this, you know, really beautiful, warm, warmth, the sound that, yeah, it was just like, um, yeah, it all kind of culminated in a, in a quite an emotional experience for me, but drawn out over several weeks and then, and then becoming sort of taking over my life in mixing and mastering. Despite how do you, 
how do you square that with your wife? Well, it, I didn't really do that much on it, really. I, I suppose I do a couple hours a day, maybe. And it actually, it came together like, uh, bum it came together really well. Like it just, it all just sort of slotted in. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very good. Very good. It, uh, no, it, it all just sort of slotted together. Um, like the, the drum stuff, which I anticipated being at a total pain, just really sort of slotted in you know once i I watched a couple of uh instructional videos on how to how to strip sound away and um yeah it it was actually a lot easier than it had been in the past for me but i i I have been spending months and years sort of learning how to do it on the sly i guess without realizing it and it Hmm. it all just kind of got yeah and then everybody's performance was just bang on and we get it to the point where it's you know there's not that much editing you need to do because in the room you're you're able to just get the best performance out of everybody kind of each each line at a time and uh yeah it was just it was such a nice experience for for me so hopefully yeah hopefully nobody had a terrible time coming for you know cup of tea a covid proof cup of tea i really enjoyed it but there's a bit for me you know because it didn't make it onto the recording but you know you got everyone to say happy christmas yeah yeah (laughs) I thought, because you, I, when I first, when I did my line, um, we had to choo- obviously had to choose the player to do it for and everything like that. But then I was saying it wrong. I was saying Merry Christmas. I think I was saying Merry Christmas, everybody. And you were just turning around to me going, happy, happy. And I thought, oh God, happy. am I saying it really depressing? Okay, so I kept <laughs> Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. Yes, you went, no, no, happy, happy. It's happy. It's happy. It's happy. Oh, God. And then you went, it, the word's happy. I was like, oh. Okay, sorry. <laughs> there was some, there was some good moments. Like oh, you could maybe cut this out of the podcast, but or or leave it in. It's kind of funny, but we uh, the idea was I wanted to get everybody to say Happy Christmas to another person in the band, and you know it's a ten piece band ish, so it kind of it adds up, right? Doesn't it? Yeah, I think should that. But it should um, be twelve in total. So yeah. day one uh, drum sessions, and uh, Rick has said Happy Christmas. Uh, he's chosen Eddie, our percussionist, and. Um, Eddie, when it came to it, um, I said, oh, make you say happy Christmas to somebody in the band. And and Eddie decided to say happy Christmas to James Knoll, the drum producer. And, and I, you know, I didn't have the heart to say, you know, in, in the moment I couldn't say someone in the band because James does loads with the band. And, you know, I don't want it to be like, you know, a, a member's kind of depths kind of thing. So I just left it. I didn't I didn't ask him to do. But in the end, that's the I didn't end up using it because I didn't end up doing it. Because then James said Merry Christmas to Rylan. Yeah, it was <laughs> made for the most. And then Rylan nailed it. It just nails everything that guy. Yeah. Of course he did. It could have worked, but then there was so much going on. How I ended up putting, you know, it's kind of wall of sound, a lot of free improvisation at the end. And it, I suppose it could have worked, but it was just quite, it was pretty hectic as it was. And I was really enjoying a few of the lines, like a few of the lines that Kai put in improvising and, and Barney kind of had this big culminating kind of suspension thing in it, which is like, I, I don't want to mess with that. I want people to just kind of feel, oh, that's a lovely sound. I, I wanted people to hear the lovely sounds. And and it, it might have been a bit che- cheesy hearing everybody say, Happy Christmas, Eddie. Happy Christmas, oh. James. That sort of thing. Happy Christmas. Merry Christmas, Barney. <laughs> it's happy. Oh, but Seb did a great John Lennon. If there's it's 10 happy. of us or 12 of us doing it, it'd probably take a long time as well, wouldn't well, it? We would have needed to record another four or five goes around the end. But Happy Christmas, Chris Smith. 
Yeah, that's what he said. Yeah, yeah, Seb said that. That's it. You nailed it. He's back. He's back. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. (laughs) Happy Christmas, John. John. Sorry. That was good, though. Happy Christmas. Have you heard his new album? I like it. What's he gone for? Is it, oh, is it still kind of like, synthy? Yeah. Is it really synthy? Well, interesting actually, because so he's recorded it on his own in lockdown. In many ways, go, going through similar experiences to to what you've all done, and and what we've all done, you know, recording on our own in isolation. So it, there's there's a lot of guitar. There's some uh, brass samples on it. So because he he hasn't got any brass players to come in to do it, so. Would you get that off the just, old Spitfire thing? Maybe. Is that you? That'd be you two, wouldn't it? It probably Seven is. Seven Dan West you, playing you. on the Macca's album. I don't think it's more likely to be Dan, yeah. He's done more than me of those. Oh. I don't know. Which... Could be you, mate. You could be on a Paul McCartney record. Well, um, they're paying me royalties to sell those things, but it probably you know, wouldn't cover it. Wouldn't cover it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's chat, Paul. But it's a cool album, though. Look at it. Check it out. How old is he now? Is he in his 80s? just 80s. Is oh, He's what, so? Did he just turn eight? No, he's, he's not I quite 80, is he? Mate, I could be Gosh. completely wrong. God. Are you looking it up? I want to say 78. Oh, we're really testing my wife. Oh, he's 78. You're bang on. Yeah, bang wow. on. Wow. Make it an album. 78. That's... I think I looked it up recently. I didn't realise he had other names. Paul Ramon. Yeah, those are words. And F- Ramon. Yeah. And Fireman. Oh, middle names? Other names, like these are also known as. So if you ever see Fireman credited in an album, it's Paul McCartney. Uh-huh. Ah. He's got a brother, hasn't he, that was in um, a band called The Scaffold that did, was it Lily the Pink they did? Is that that oh, song? Right. Yeah, so he did that. His brother was in that band. I think he's got loads of family. Yeah. Loads of brothers and cousins. He's his cousin with uh, Ted Robbins. Who's Ted Robbins? You know, he, he's um, he's in Phoenix Nights. Oh, right, okay. Uh, Den Perry. <laughs> oh, right, wow. That's his Is cousin. He? That's his cousin, yeah. Amazing. Gosh. Um, Den Perry, Den Perry's Den the... I should really watch. Actually. I know. Oh, re- really which one is that? Is it on anything? Is it oh, on? De- what do you? Yeah. How do you watch? No, there's like a uh, a website where you have to type in like E O one S O one E O one that kind of thing. One of those websites. Oh. If you know, what I'm I mean. going to post you the box set, Daniel. I've got it on DVD. If you've still got a way of playing those things, it it really holds up. A, a couple of questionable lines. You know, the odds, the odds sort of out- outdated. Uh, sort of point of view, but ignore those <laughs> if you can. It's very funny. What do you think to the uh, the sound quality in that program there? Tell you why, because my dad did it. <gasps> oh, I may have said that before on the podcast, what? and I'm going to come across as a real bore now, but I can't remember if I've mentioned it. No, that's a great the sound for Phoenix Nights. Yeah. What aspect of the sound? Uh, he did like the, the recorded the sound. Yeah, the, the people talking. Yeah, holding the I boom hope. mic. All the, the dialogue, big, the and big stuff. muffy yeah. boom mic, holding holding the old boom and uh, wow. like a mixer. Phone to Millie with all the trouble you were having with your mic. <laughs> is he? Do you know what? Be dis- this, this is amazing. But what do you think my dad's name is? 
Mike. What? Mick. Mike. 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 Is it? Mike. Sorry, Charlie. It's Mike. His <laughs> name is Mike, spelled Mick. Uh, Mick. Spelled Mick. But, That's amazing. Yeah, some people call him Mick. <laughs> yeah. so, it, was, um, it was his calling. Mike Rolf. Mike Rolf Ohm. Rolf Ohm. Does he ever talk about uh, his experience on the show? He, he, reckons, he reckons that uh, Peter Kane nicked one of his jokes. Oh, of course. Oh, something right. something about an on goal or something. But it's such a long time since I've seen it. Um, we'd, have um, to, we'd have to watch it, wouldn't we? Did you have a nice time? Can't remember that one. He had a, he had a really good time, yeah. 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 That's a, that's a real one for outtakes. There's some really funny bits, and I imagine he was holding that boom for quite a long time. <laughs> some of those are, look like they're about 20 takes. Yeah, I think he's probably still got sore shoulders. He's got those big guns. He's got two tickets yeah, to the gun did, did have big guns, yeah. That's a big old unit, wasn't he? Ex, Ex-bodybuilder <laughs> turned sound recordist. Is that the natural? Oh, my God. Yeah, Arnie's at it. That's what he's doing <laughs> these days. Family photos. That sounds like a separate yeah. podcast in itself. Your dad did the Jimmy Savile, Louis Theroux documentary, didn't he, as well? Uh, did he? I think you he did. Me the oh, yeah, day. he did. He did. He did. did he? he did bits of it, and he also did bits of um, uh, the Debbie McGee. Was it? Oh, yeah, well, the Debbie Who was she one. married to again? Yeah, Paul Daniels. Paul, uh, Paul, Paul Daniels. Daniels and Debbie McGee. Paul Daniels. Yeah. He did that as well. Speaking of famous spouses, yeah, you, you know, I'm just looking at Paul McCartney just kind of vaguely steer us kind of towards uh, the Beatles again. But um, Paul McCartney <laughs> was famously married to uh, Heather Mills. You know, everyone knows mm-hmm. that. Yep. Heather Mills' brother mm-hmm. was a bass trombonist. No. Yeah, yeah, I think he was at Trinity College of Music or something. I think he, um, I can't remember oh. his, his first name. He's been married four times? No, three times. Who does the, who does the vegan burgers? Is that a, a- Linda McCartney. That's his daughter. Um, no. That's Stella. That's Stella. No, and a, a wife. Is that Stella's named after? Oh, yeah. Or just the beer? It's funny. Charlotte really hates Paul McCartney. No, she doesn't hate Paul McCartney. He's his favourite Beatle, though, right? <clears throat> I think she's just annoyed by him for some reason. Almost like uh, annoyed like as if he's like a sibling that she's just annoyed with. I don't know why. Because she does like some of his songs, but... Well, just so he's, the, he's the nice Beatle, isn't he? He's like the... He seems lovely. He, between yeah. him and John, like John was obviously the edgier one. He seems nice, Paul but it doesn't really, seem totally really nice. genuine. He doesn't seem to me like I, he was always, until recently, I'm coming around to Mac now, but in yeah. the past he was always my least favourite favorite Beatle, like, just because he he just seemed like a little bit smug, even like he was really nice, but he always just seemed a little bit smug. Well, there's that bit, wasn't there, when he wanted to change the ones he had written to McCartney and Lennon. Hmm. He's just like, oh come on, mate! Is it really? We know which ones you did because you sing them. It's, does it? Do you really have to have it spelt out for everyone that much? You still get the same money. Like I don't know. Uh, he talks about that on uh, Adam Buxton's podcast. Oh, I need to listen to that from a yeah, couple of weeks it, ago. It it's really good. Is that it's why brilliant. Charlotte doesn't like him? Did he not shower himself in glory on that or something? Like no, he really did. He oh. was. He came across really well. Great. But he talks about that, and I think he was kind of fine with it. He was like, okay, whatever. And then he was somewhere, and I think you, you got like a printout of the music that had been used on something, mm. and it only showed like the first like ten characters of the artist. Mm. So it just said Lennon space slash, and it stopped. <laughs> so he was like, "Oh, but I mean that's Blackbird. I mean that that is just me." Yeah. Or it was like yesterday. He was like, 
you know, for my own kind of mm. legacy, I feel like I should go after this and just, you know. So I think it's fair enough. All he did was swap it around so that it says McCartney Lennon. Yeah, um, well, that's why yeah. I was reading about, um, you know, the album that this, um, you know, McCartney and McCartney 2 is first solo albums. Um, yeah. I was reading that that was, that was the reason why he just called them McCartney. It's just that exact reason because of the name crediting thing. He just wanted people... He, you know, he didn't want it to be Paul McCartney and Paul McCartney too. He just wanted McCartney mm. because he wanted his songs to have bloody McCartney on it. Because all his, yeah, all the songs had Lennon McCartney. And... Huh, it's mm. me. Amazing. Well, he was going to headline Glastonbury, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. man, that, that would have been um, great. Oh, shit, was he? Like, I'm, I'm coming around to him. Oh. I really am coming around to him. Because he can't, yeah, how can I, he not? I think, I think if you go and see him live and he cracks out a load of stuff from the Beatles, you'd just be like, brilliant. That'd be amazing, and like you know, things like "Live and Let Die" or something. Or I haven't seen him. Um, no, no, I have. Have you? Was he good? Oh yeah, I saw him at the uh, Queen's uh, Diamonds Jubilee concert. I was about to uh, mention that because he was everywhere that year because it was the Olympics. Yeah. It was 2012. No, it was. Um, oh, I th- oh, maybe it was 2012. Yeah. I thought like it was twenty eleven. I think maybe the concert was twenty twelve. Not sure. It was around that time. Yeah. Yeah. You you couldn't turn on the TV without hearing him. Yeah, he played at the opening ceremony as well, did he? Or closing? I think ceremony. so. Closing yeah. was it? I don't closing. Know. He just couldn't finish "Hey Jude" off because it's just going on and on and on. Just, <laughs> I don't know how we're going to finish this. He needed with a secret line. <laughs> Wrong fucking card. It was Rick was behind him going, oh, fucking hell. Come on, Mac, we're gonna do, I'm going to do it now. Come on, I'm going to turn you off. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah. You've seen I him saw, live. That's great. Yeah, but but what happened was we we were still quite, we were quite young and uh, silly and we took in a, bot, a box of wine, mm. but just we took it out of the box. Mm. So it was like a bag of wine. Walked through and then suddenly there's all these like metal detectors, dogs, like police with guns and i've got this metal bag like underneath oh, my no. looking like an but, explosive by any chance but it looks a bit like that <laughs> also it was full of wine which is not allowed yeah, yeah. but i got through and then we <clears throat> we just drank that and between like there were four of us there uh and we drank this bottle of wine with a box of wine it's like four bottles of wine yeah, 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 yeah mate and uh Oh, I, don't, I just um, it's, it's a shame because I don't remember every everyone that was there but it is I'm going to get up the list now because it is absolutely crazy who was at that concert where was this where did it take place it was at, at Buckingham Palace wow you, you got to go yeah I, I there was a ballot online wow and I just entered and I got got four tickets now this is the running order starts off with Robbie Williams with drummers and trumpeters from the 2nd Battalion Italian, the Coldstream Guards. Then Rob Bryden. Ah, your mate Rob. Then Will I Am and Jesse J. JLS. I'm just going to go quickly because there's a lot. <laughs> Gary Barlow yeah. and Cheryl from Girls Aloud. Cliff Richard, Jimmy Carr, Lang Lang. Wow. Uh, Alfie Bow, Lenny Henry. I missed out Lee Mack, sorry. Uh, Jules Holland, Jimmy Carr, Grace Jones, Ed Sheeran. Annie Lennox, Rolf Harris, Renee Fleming, Tom Jones, um, Gary Barlow, Angela Webber, Shirley Bassey, Kylie Minogue, 
Alfie Bow again. Uh, Elton John. Terry <laughs> Barlow's had two slots. Yeah. Couldn't get rid Stevie of him. Stevie Wonder. Madness. Peter Kay. Uh, Dickie's dad's friend. Yeah. Paul McCartney. Prince Charles. Oh. Um, and uh, there you go. Support, that was it. Support actor Prince Charles. What did, what, what did Prince Charles sing? He sang, um, he sang Obladee Obladee. <laughs> Oh, Camilla. Um, it was, uh, I, I remember a lot of it, but when I looked, I saw this list recently, I was like, oh my God, that is like the best concert ever. And I, and they all did 45 minute it. sets. That's amazing. Yeah. Gosh. Wow. Yeah. God, that's Crazy. amazing. It was cool. I mean, I do remember some of it. But yeah. What's the Buckingham Palace God, like? I wish I didn't drink, to be honest. Wow, I don't know. It's a long old day. You'd never manage it now because none of our bladders would manage a whole box of wine. No way. And listen to all those acts. Yeah. I'm impressed you did it even as a as a young man, to be honest, Seb. <laughs> I'm sure we had toilets at Buckingham Palace, though, right? They, yeah, they let us yeah. in for the toilets. Oh, yeah, lovely toilets there. Lovely, lovely yeah. toilets, yeah. That's incredible. So it was 2012? Uh, it was, yeah, June 2012. Ah, that's before the band, just before the band started. Ah, lovely, lovely. Oh, did you go and see any of the Olympics? Stayed well away from it. Did you? Yeah, because it was madness in uh, central. Knew the pandemic was coming. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> hiding away in the uh, famous Farron Road. Eight years later, there'll be a pandemic. Um, I went and saw the women's football final. Football oh, final? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah we made had tickets, so we went and saw the, world, the women's soccer final. Where was that? At Wembley? Yeah. And then yes. who, was, who was in that? It was USA, Japan, I think. And we all, we all, because in the half time, we they were showing the, I think it was the final of the men's two hundred meters. Yeah, so you say Bolt was in that. So watched a bit of that. Went in. All the goals got scored while we were watching that. <laughs> that was fun. And then uh, yeah, it's nice to go to something. Pretty good. Yeah. Did you go to anything, Kai? Yeah, made it to the wrestling Ooh. at the Excel Center. Lovely. And then went to watch Paralympic. Volleyball for the Paralympics as well, also at the Excel Centre. Many questions, but I probably shouldn't ask. Um, yeah. Oh, it was great. It was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. It was, it's, it's amazing to watch, yeah. Is it, you, had to, you had to apply for what t- uh, as many tickets as you wanted, and uh, then it was a complete potluck whether you got them or not. So uh, I put about £1,000 worth of tickets down and just hope that I didn't get all of them. Yeah, because if you got something like the hundred meter final or something like that, that's cost a fortune. Cost kind of the same, I so think. If... They they all cost about the same. Right. But um, it was very unlikely you'd get that, you know. But then you you could potentially, you know, if you got it, you could have sold it for a lot of money. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, big time. Oh, that was such a nice. I remember doing that as well. But it was so lovely, wasn't it? Like it was such a good feeling because yeah. we actually did pretty well at the Olympics as well, and everyone was so happy. Yeah. And then fast forward eight years, and here we well, are. Well, Farah's in the jungle, or in the castle. What's that? Is there... was, oh, is he in the, the I'm a Celebrity? Yeah, he was, yeah. yeah. Britain are, like, winning the death Olympics, aren't they? It's, like, top of the table in death rate. Yeah. Killing yeah. <laughs> people off faster than the rest. We couldn't have fallen any further, could we? It's, oh, how I sad. loved how everybody was really cynical about the Olympics <laughs> leading up to it. Everyone's like, oh, God, Olympics, how much is that going to cost? God, this is a nightmare. Mm. And then the second it started, everybody was just jumping out of their skin with glee, trying to get tickets for everything, 
watching it wall to wall coverage. It was all, it was great. What a great thing to have. It was amazing. And now the government are just dropping two hundred billion wherever they feel like it. Oh yeah, we bought a gun. It's a hundred trillion pounds. It's a space gun. But we need it. We need it. Another Olympics. Right. The Olympics like, oh, it's gonna go to nine billion. That's too much. Yeah, that's nothing. That's awful. That's nothing. Tessa Jow, you, you need to lose your job. <laughs> and then it's like now, I mean, do what do whatever you want. Pocket Seem like they've got bottomless pockets. Big time. Yeah. Who was it that made the who did the opening ceremony? What's his chops? Uh, Danny Boyle. That's Danny Boyle. Yeah, I think that's what got everyone going, wasn't it? Because we were like, oh my God, this isn't rubbish. He has not done a bad job. This is amazing. It's going to be yeah, a good Olympics. totally nailed that, didn't he? Yeah. And then we won. Bill Cobb stuff. played at the opening of the Paralympic one, didn't he? Did you watch that? Did he? What did he play? Well, that, the bright seraphim. Played that handle oh. thing, didn't he? Did he play them? Did he play that? Um, the handle, the uh, eternal light. Eternal source oh, of right. line. Oh, might be. I remember it was well. It's Piccolo and Soprano. So, uh, yeah. Did Rick? Rick yeah. said he did some of it. Rick was. Yeah, he was in it. Yeah, he, he was. was he was yeah. one of the drummer drummer boys. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, drummer boy. <clears throat> yeah. God. Amazing. Yeah, there we go. Well, yeah. is there anything we need to cover from this? Uh, these two tracks. Got, there's, there's, no, there's no video, is there? Got no video. No to, video. No. Uh, oh. um, but it's been great. I mean, we did this. I mean, I have to say the the turnaround was very fast for these tracks. We just sort of went, "Oh, we can do these." How do you feel about doing them? Yeah, Bosch, let's get them out for this, and there they were. You, but well done, Daniel. Very good. Yeah, the turnaround was sharp. Yeah, it, it was. I I took enough time on them, but you know, not too much. It's the kind of thing like you could you could just carry on editing and mixing something kind of forever if you really wanted to. You could carry on every little thing you do alters something somewhere else like so it's kind of like trying to keep a dog in the bathtub it's a bit slippery you know you you (laughs) change the balance on one person and then suddenly somebody else is popping out a bit too much and and yeah it's kind of always smoothing over the cracks a little bit but um yeah i got it to a point i'm i'm happy with it i can live with it and um oh and i had johnny came around and kind of helped me with the mastering one day and that that sort of just like opened up an entire, well, you know, he, he came around for this little session and showed me a couple of things, a couple of, um, couple of ways of approaching, you know, sound and, and making things sound a bit more interesting. And it just blew my mind. But then I had like precisely 24 hours to get the tracks mastered and into your guys's hands. So I, I tried to implement what I could in about a day. And, and now I just want to kind of get going on another one, but I don't really know, you know, what that could be or if, the, if there will be another thing, but. Hopefully we'll get some more tracks, some more creative kind of shit going, stuff. Do you have any more originals? Not really, not not kind of like Brastards related stuff, no. But nothing's really popping out to me as being a sort of Brastards kind of tune. I don't know. It's a tricky one. So in, in just in layman's terms, because I still really don't know, and obviously if you've sort of had chats with Johnny, what is mastering? Uh, well, you're, you're kind of altering, you're putting a treatment on the stereo bus. So it's like the kind of overall track sound that's going out the speakers. You're you're putting like a little four-band kind of compression on it. You're, you're, there's a lot of very complicated sort of ritualistic things you need to do because, you know, certain software is programmed to have certain settings by default. 
so you, you go in there and, and change a couple of things and you can um you're trying to, to spread out the um oh, the stereo sound a bit you're trying to kind of uh get a kind of wide panoramic um uh, i don't know you're just trying to breadth in the sound and and make it kind of perfect optimized for in this case you know like streaming surfaces and stuff and trying to trying to keep it within mm. a certain a certain like sound frequencies but obviously i don't know all that much about it but it's um mm. it's a it's a science that some people are masters at and there are robots that do it for you now if you pay 15 quid but um mm. Yeah, it's a it, it's a kind of deep dive. It's a deep dive into um, the basics and the most complicated side of producing. I think. Oh, the dark arts! Yes. The dark arts of producing. Oh. I think usually um, most bands wouldn't mix themselves, would they? And then they wouldn't master themselves either. They'd always have a you'd have a producer, and then you'd have a mixer, yeah. and then you'd have a master. I think it's 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 like it's good just good to have different pairs of ears yeah exactly it's just have different perspectives on it and um, yeah just leaving it in one person's hands is is quite dangerous i think but hey you did it so (laughs) (laughs) easy (laughs) i think a lot of um a lot of people who are maybe well producing their own stuff just in their bedroom they're, they're doing like they're making beats or whatever then then they'll be doing it all themselves Mm. or if you're composing for screen or media then to keep costs down i think a lot a lot of times composers are just doing it all themselves it's quite like a luxury really to have someone that's going to mix it and master it back in the day when people got paid for doing this you know when people actually got money from album sales yeah it kind of paid for itself to you, you, know, you just you just pay you know, for a two track single. You probably pay for an hour of somebody's time to just have a listen to it. Pop, bish bash bosh, it's mastered. Where, whereas for me, I had Johnny come over with an hour, a couple of hours session, messing with a few different things, and then he went off and I tried a few other things on it and got it to a place I was happy with it. But but then also you have to, you know, it's a it's a painstaking process of listening to several different mixes and masters of tracks on like every different set of audio equipment you own like every different headphone listen to, you need to listen to how it comes through on a phone speaker um in your car and mm. you'll find that you know in certain scenarios like probably the most common scenarios people are, are listening to in certain setups you you know i'd be hearing a ton of of left channel trumpet coming through like too loud and like why is that happening it's not not happening on my monitor it's not happening on my headphones but in my car <laughs> i'm hearing is trumpet too really loud and then yeah it's 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 good for the OCD. It's good for OCD people. It's a great job. <laughs> it can be like utterly depressing, isn't it? Like you, you go, oh, I've got this cool mix. Stick it on in the car, and then it's just like, what the hell is that? So you, you should be hearing like the tune now. Yeah, you it's, it's buried somewhere, <laughs> yeah. and it does. I don't know what I've done, but every, stop, nobody listens to this. Stop. Turn it off. <laughs> it's ruined. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Oh wow. Well, they sound blooming great, Westy. It sound very good. Bravo. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's mastering. There you are. Like, you know, it's not just turning it up a bit. It's all all sorts of things. Um, but, yeah, they're great. They're fantastic. So go and, I guess, have them ready for next Christmas to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> or if you're one of those people that likes Christmas music all year round, then, you know, they're for you too. <laughs> <laughs> 
so good. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Um, I think that's pretty much it. I think we've covered everything, haven't we? I think so, the yeah. Beatles, we got a good, that's good Beatles chat, that. That's nice. I hope, yeah. I hope that the listeners like the Beatles. Otherwise, you're on the wrong podcast. Um, yeah. Seb, award winning, wonderful. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's great. And it's just been nice for us all to get back together and have a nice little chat because uh, it's been a while. It's, it's been nice to see everyone's faces, isn't it? You know, yeah. we can see each other on Zoom and uh, it's lovely. Yeah. I mean, that is obviously something we could do any time, but yeah, we don't no, well, this necessarily is, this have to uh, have a podcast. But. No, but it makes us do it. It makes us organise ourselves. Yeah. Uh, somehow there is some, some stuff going on in our lives and uh, this is, you know, we pull ourselves together and we're having a nice chat. It's wonderful. Lucky 15th listener to this podcast, you'll get a free copy of this uh, single. <laughs> Just by logging into Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> So thank you very much for listening to this episode number nine, uh, our semi-Christmas special, even though Christmas has been and gone. Um, But yeah, uh, it's been lovely to chat to you all again. Um, Coming next is episode number 10, Hideaway. Um, So if you want to know more about us, obviously go and check out our website at www.olddirtybrasters.co.uk and we're on all the social media. So wherever you get your social media from, go and check that out because we're doing stuff on there and uh yeah subscribe to this podcast it's where you get all your news from all your all your behind the curtain gossip about old dirty bastards um thank you very much and have a lovely start to 2021 number nine number nine Number nine, 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 number nine. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.